this episode is dedicated to actor, role model, and real-life superhero, Chadwick Boseman. Hello, divers. Welcome to the Deep Dive Microcast. Many of us were shocked recently to hear of Chadwick Boseman's untimely passing from colon cancer at the age of 43. During his far too brief career on screen, Bozeman used his considerable talents to bring several African-American legends to life, including baseball icon Jackie Robinson, Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, and the godfather of soul, James Brown. But it was through his role as Wakandan King and superhero, The Black Panther, that Chadwick Boseman became a superstar. Being a Marvel character, Black Panther obviously originated in the pages of comic books, but how was the character created? What prompted Marvel to introduce Black Panther to young readers? And what controversies surrounded the name? That's what we'll explore in this special tribute edition of the Deep Dive Microcast. The year is 1966, and the United States is deep in the throes of what would become known as the Civil Rights Movement. African Americans across the country were struggling to gain equal rights and equal protections under the law. The movement's most prominent leader, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., promoted change through nonviolence and civil disobedience. In October of 66, a new civil rights group was formed by two college students, Huey Newton and Bobby Seale. This organization would take a more aggressive approach towards achieving racial equality. They called themselves the Black Panther Party. These were the first Black Panthers, armed, defiant, symbols of the whole history of violence and counterviolence that surrounds the Black Panther Party. The Panthers believe the whole economic and political system is against them, against the poor black and white and that if death is the result of picking up the gun, well, that's the price you have to pay for what you believe in. It has been suggested that either the Black Panther Party took its name from the comic book character, or vice versa, because both began in 1966. Neither story is true. King T'Challa, the Black Panther, made his comic book debut in issue number 52 of Marvel Comics' The Fantastic Four. That issue had a cover date of July 1966. So that means the Black Panther Party was created after the debut of the character himself. So that means the Black Panther character wasn't named after the organization. But was the organization named after the character? Well, no, it wasn't. A couple of years earlier, an Alabama civil rights group needed an easily recognizable symbol for party members who could not read. That symbol was borrowed from the local black university's mascot, the Panthers. That Alabama civil rights group ultimately became the Black Panther Party. So, as you can see, the two had no impact on each other. Sort of. We'll get to that in a bit. Hi, heroes. This is Stan Lee coming at you. Want you to know, Marvel has always been and always will be a reflection of the world right outside our window. That world may change and evolve, but the one thing that will never change 
is the way we tell our stories of heroism. Those stories have room for everyone, regardless of their race, gender, religion, or color of their skin. The only things we don't have room for are hatred, intolerance, and bigotry. That was Stan Lee from 2017, the year before his passing. Many words have been written and spoken about Lee, his motivations, his showmanship, and his spotty record for crediting his co-creators. Nevertheless, Lee had a penchant for using his comics to promote causes that he genuinely believed in. One of those causes was civil rights. Prior to the introduction of the Black Panther in 1966, Africans were portrayed as stereotypical savages, and African Americans were relegated to being sidekicks used as comedy relief. The world had not yet seen a mainstream African superhero, much less an African American one. But that was about to change. Stan Lee and legendary artist Jack Kirby co-created the Black Panther to confound those prior stereotypes. The Panther was King T'Challa, benevolent ruler of Wakanda, a peaceful, hidden, technologically advanced civilization. Kirby's incredibly vibrant and detailed illustrations made Wakanda seem like a futuristic paradise. It would be an early example of what would come to be called Afrofuturism, a merging of native African culture with futuristic technology. T'Challa himself was portrayed as a strong, proud leader and an incredibly skilled fighter. He was also a scientist who used his country's resources to fight threats to himself and his nation, not to mention the world, as one of the Avengers. Lee said himself on several occasions that he wanted to introduce a black hero because of the civil rights movement. The time, he felt, was right. Interestingly, because the Black Panther was African and not an African-American, the character did not need to directly reference the civil unrest going on in the United States, thereby sidestepping potential controversy. In fact, the original costume design for the Black Panther had his cowl expose the lower half of his face, making his ethnicity clear to readers. Before publication of his debut, it was changed to a full face mask to avoid having problems distributing the issue in southern states where stores might be wary of featuring a black hero on the cover. Still, the doors had been opened, and it was only a few years later that the first mainstream African-American superhero, the Falcon, was introduced by Marvel. In the half century since his introduction, the Black Panther has appeared alongside almost every other mainstream Marvel hero. He's had his own comic book title on several occasions and made his way onto many Marvel animated series as well. The journey of a king, a warrior, and an Avenger. You're an Avenger, I'm an Avenger. We're practically family. What is my favorite color? I'm gonna go with black. The season premiere of Marvel's Avengers, Black Panther's Quest. Action Princess Shuri to Grumpy Brother T'Challa. Sisters, huh? You have no idea. Previously, I mentioned that the Black Panther Party and the character did have some connection. In the early 1970s, the Black Panther Party had been making news headlines after engaging in armed conflicts with police and eventually among warring factions within the organization itself. The violence and infighting garnered a lot of negative media coverage. 
the Black Panther Party had become more famous and infamous than the Marvel character ever was. That infamy eventually trickled down to the Black Panther himself when, in a 1971 issue of the Fantastic Four, T'Challa decides to rename himself the Black Leopard. His reasoning, well, to quote the character, I neither condemn nor condone those who have taken up the name, but T'Challa is a law unto himself. The name change only lasted for that appearance. Shortly thereafter, in 1972's Avengers issue 105, T'Challa exclaims, quote, I am not a stereotype. I am myself. I am the Black Panther, unquote. Since the character's creation during the height of the civil rights movement, the Black Panther has been an integral, if not always prevalent, character in the Marvel Universe. Thanks to the success of the 2018 film, the names Wakanda, Shuri, Nakia, Okoye, and of course T'Challa have become positive and permanent fixtures in popular culture. What will become of the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of the character? There are many more stories to tell, so it's certain that someone new will one day take on the mantle of the Black Panther. Who will that be? We'll find out soon enough. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me. Next time on the Deep Dive Podcast, Manda and I dive into movies that everyone loves, but we hate, which is the opposite of what we did the last time. Thank you for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at thedeepdivepodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to those on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. All clips used in the Deep Dive Microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive Microcast is a production of Automaton Studios.